This is the Fit Reefs Podcast, and I'm your host, Aidan Lee. We are focused on teaching you the best of philosophy, martial arts, health, well-being, and business. Our mission is to build modern warriors who enhance their lives through continual physical and mental evolution, and then bestow that gift onto the next generation. Today, we've got Dave O'Brien joining us. Dave is a worldwide inspirational speaker on health and is a world record holder. His passion is infectious as he thrills audiences across the globe, sharing his story with over 90 flights alone in the last 12 months. He's also a national marketing director. In 2010, Dave became the oldest man in the world and the only Irish man ever, who's one of only a handful of people on the planet to complete the four deserts, 1,000 kilometers in a 38-week period, carrying everything on his back to survive across the hottest, windiest, driest, and coldest deserts on the planet. A true desert runner, in fact, his exploits are the inspiration for the Desert Runners movie, which has won eight film awards worldwide. In 35 years of running and with over 600 races completed worldwide, he has never been injured or sick or missed a race due to sickness or injury. As he says himself, it is not just good luck or good genes, it is good health. And in more recent times, Davy is a barefoot runner, having run over 4,000 kilometers to date, completely barefoot. Welcome to the Fit Roots Podcast, Dave. And thank you very much for having me, Aidan. This is an absolute uh, pleasure, I have to say, uh, on this beautiful, beautiful uh, day in the sunny southeast in, in Ireland, in Cork. So thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to this, getting Love stuck it. in. And, uh, yeah. Love it. No, likewise, and thank you so much for coming on. You know, we've just heard your bio and, you know, the great things and accomplishments you've done. And gosh, it's almost like, well, where do we start? So I want to start, though, just, uh, Dave, just tell us a bit more about yourself. You know, how did you start and how did you get to where you are now um okay i mean it comes <laughs> it's uh to give a, a quick answer i guess um uh, i'm i suppose the the the, the four deserts is, is the thing that, that a lot of people associate me with but it's a whole it's only a, a small part of of, of the uh, of, of dave o'brien if you like so how did i get to where i am and how did i do this mad crazy uh, desert running and set a couple of world records and stuff like that and business-wise, uh, how did that turn out for me as well? Uh, it's like everything, um, Aiden. It's like it's kind of shaping, I guess. And uh, for me, uh, there was no escape. Uh, as a young boy, uh, I was one of five, um, very close to my father. My father um, decided to leave my mum uh, to go off and you know have some other life for himself, and uh, which is very tough on my mum, as you can imagine. And um, I always talk about pivotal moments in a person's life. So in answer to your question, I suppose what drove me to become the person I am, or shaped me is a better word, is those early years uh, growing up. And so at eight and a half years of age, uh, when my father left, um, uh, my mom could have done something with us, could have given us to somebody else or fostered us out, but she didn't because she had no money, everything she lost. She lost her house, dad had a good job, we had a lovely house, plenty of money, and all of a sudden, boom, just like that, mom finds that she has five children and nowhere to live. And um, I can't only imagine what that must have felt like and the despair and, and everything that went with it, but we never, we never got any of that. Uh, in fact, during that time growing up, I I can never remember ever my mum bad-mouthing my dad, uh, which is extraordinary when you think of what he, he actually did to her. And as I said, I was very close to dad. And um, for me, it was um, a boom. He's there one minute and he's gone the next. My father did come back twice, by the way, in a two-year period. Uh, he arrived one Christmas with lots of presents and it was a huge surprise. 
And then he arrived six months after that again. He didn't stay very long. And I haven't seen my father since. And, uh, and that is uh, pretty much, um, you know, 48, 49 years ago. And uh, what am I talking about? I'm 65, for goodness sake. Uh, so that is uh, 57 years ago. Okay. So, yes, um, and in those days, um, uh, which, which brings me to the core of this question, is I remember a particular day, and all your listeners will remember, you know, we all have those times in our lives that, you know, these pivotal moments I talk about where you're going in a direction, bang, something happens, good or bad, and, and it, it, it turns you in a different direction. And for me, the day came when, when we were taken out of the house we were in, a big truck came along, gathered all the furniture, uh, put them into this truck and drove us to the, the council. The corporation gave us my mum a house, small little house, and it was lovely to get one from the, the council. And um, the, the truck came along and unceremoniously just dumped all her furniture in the front garden. And that day stays in my mind, Aidan, because I can remember holding on to my mother as that truck drove away. And, and I, I looked up to her, I was holding on to my mom, and I will never forget the look in my mom's eyes. And I made a decision at that moment in time, very clear in my mind today, many, many years later, that I would look after my mom, no matter what it would take. I was only eight and a half, but it, that was irrelevant. And you do what, what children and siblings inherently do, you, you, you protect, you, you go into flight mode, you know what I mean? And I'll remember that day and I made that decision. And so for me, it was, it was just a no-brainer. I was going to do that, make sure my mum was okay. And that's why I suppose that was the seeds, if you like, uh, of me to be, I've become a very sort of a focused individual, a very passionate, very driven, I suppose is a good word, but for the right reasons. And driven in a way to make sure that not only my mum was okay, but my brothers, I was the second eldest, um, that my brothers and my sister was okay as well. And all through life, it's been a case of making sure that you can bring value to people. I got a very early lesson in those days of, of all of that. And so, if you like, that's really where it all starts with Dave O'Brien at eight, eight and a half years of age. Uh, and from there on, I just wanted to go and achieve and make things happen for my mom and my family. And I couldn't wait to leave school. I, I hated school. I, I, hope, I know everybody listening, school is important. Academia is important. I went to the University of Life. I went smack bang into the middle of life. And, um, you know, I left school at 15 to a round of applause. They were delighted to see me go. And um, I was delighted to see them uh, go. And I went out and I got a job. Um, I would have done anything, and uh, I worked as hard as I could. I was like a sponge. I, you know, I would go that extra mile because for me that there was no other way. It, that's what I just did to earn that wage packet and to bring it home. And I do remember the day I brought my first wage packet home to my mum, and it's uh, it was a, the best feeling in the world. Um, it was tremendous. So that really is giving you just a little insight uh, into my my upbringing and what I did. Uh, I went to school, of course, left school and went out working. And um, for me, I was very shy, uh, believe it or not. Um, you, particularly if a young lady would speak to me, I would go red completely <laughs> in seconds. I was so, uh, just such a shy individual. I would cry really easily. I remember even in school, if somebody said something to me, uh, I, w I would go into tears and um, so my only way of survival, if you like, Aiden, was to do what I'm doing now, speak. And uh, I became, I, you know, I, I, I talked my way in, <laughs> in and out of trouble. And I guess 
little did I know that later on in life that that would come back to help me in terms of uh, telling my story, like like your story is wonderful, like everybody listening to today uh, has an incredible story as well. So we're all storytellers, and for me, it just helped me a little bit to to bring that story uh, to many people and to help as many people as I actually could. And um, so, yeah, that's the start of, of it all. Wonderful. And yeah, there's so much to, to pick out there, but I think you kind of left that on, on the end note there as a quite poignant part, which was about storytelling and how that's, you know, that those formative years have shaped you to where you are now, pretty much what you do and how you spend a lot of your time. Uh, tell us, Dave, how, you know, one, those years have created that storytelling in you now, because uh, for those who may not be aware, what you do now is a big part of it is, you know, it's a, a prolific public speaker going and traveling all over the, the globe and, uh, you know, telling people not just your story, but I guess really inspiring them, you know? So what I want you to, I guess, Tell us, Davis, how do you inspire people? One, it could be with your story, but two, with uh, your skills of getting in and out of trouble, if you like. Um, I think I think life uh, teaches us many, many, many lessons. And, and one of them is, um, I, I always say to people, be yourself, you know, be authentic. I think we live in a world, of, we're on podcasts now, and, but, you know, we, we have this world of, of um, instant. Everything is instant. Everything is just now. And, uh, and with social media, which has its wonderful, wonderful uh, points, I mean, social media is, is wonderful in many, many ways. But I, but I often look at it in despair when I see that, particularly a lot of the younger people, um, when, you're, when you're on social media having to kind of uh, look a certain way, live a certain way, um, you know, it, it puts pressure on people to be, I, I think, maybe sometimes something that they're not. And so... Uh, when you mentioned storytelling and, and, and how do you inspire, I, I think by being authentic and, and um, you know, when, you, when, when I'm with an audience, uh, what I always say is it's never me up there and them down here. It's always us. It's always us together. There's this energy. You know, I feel it now, Aiden, with you. You know, even though we've a screen, it's that. It's there. There's this wonderful, wonderful energy. And as human beings, we have that. It's like a, uh, you can feel it, you can taste it. And so... When that energy happens, and it's not me, by the way, uh, it's all of us together um, because we, we all have that to give to one another. And sometimes it gets lost, you know, with, with life and the pace of life and what's expected of us in life. And, and the real important stuff gets lost sometimes. And, and those hopes and dreams and desires and, uh, and wants... They, they get lost in there but it's in there I always say to people it's in there and all you have to do is reach in and pull it out again but there's a process to do that because uh, life kind of takes some of that away from us so it's being authentic being yourself being who you are you should never have to be somebody else for somebody else because if you have to do that then there's something drastically wrong and so I say to people be who you are and, and try and let your lips and legs go in the same direction. Uh, Gandhi was wonderful, you know, when he said, let us be the change we want to see in the world. So it's easy to do this, to talk, and I, I do enough of that, of course, <laughs> but it's important that we walk the walk. And don't be afraid to stand up for who you are uh, and what you believe in. Uh, and, and to take those knocks as a result of it, you're going to get them, uh, but it's, uh, you're going to have to dust yourself off and get up there again and, and drive on again and be that authentic person that you are. So it's having that and having empathy um, because when you, when you speak to somebody or when you speak to an audience particularly, you want it to feel as if that you're speaking to that person. 
everybody sitting there, oh, he's speaking to me. It's me. It's not the person. It's me. I, I, I get that. I, I associate it with. So it's, it's everybody has a trigger inside where when you, we've all experienced similar things in life. Yeah. Believe you me, we, we have. Yes, I, I, I admit some of them are, are more extreme than others. But all of us experience love, sadness, fear, anxiety. The list goes on and on. We all do in different amounts uh, and at different levels. So I think when you're authentic and you tell your story from stage or normally with me, I'm down among the people many times. When you tell your story, people associate because, yeah, yeah, I get that, David. It's me, and I'm not the only one. You know what I mean? It, mm. So that's, I think, very important because it's very easy to be up on a pedestal. Um, none of us ever should be up there because you, you know, you know what I say about that. We we all come into this earth naked and with nothing, and we leave with nothing. And the only thing that we can leave, Aiden, you or I, or all the listeners, is our footprint on this planet, of 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 who we were, of of what benefit we were able to bring to other people. So in terms of inspiration, I mean, sometimes that word for me, I don't, I, I just kind of just, I am who I am, warts and everything. I mean, I'm, I made more mistakes probably than, I don't know, the whole world put together. But it's, it's, it's being who you are and having empathy with someone. And, and re I really mean listening to somebody and having empathy with that person. You know, I often say that when was the last time, you know, with all these things in our phones and our, you know, our MacBooks and our, our tablets and, and um, our, you know, 40-inch screens and our, all this stuff, and, and we're rushing and racing and like you now, and probably people listening are saying, oh, when is he going to stop? I, I, I got to get the, I got to get this organized. I got to get kids ready for school. I got to get yoga classes. I got to get my stuff ready for work. I'm in the middle of, you know, a million and one things. I'm juggling balls up in the air. Come on, come on, hurry up, Dave. I say, stop. breathe and that's why we need to take that time out for us we need to breathe and take that time and as i said again with technology uh it's very important to to there's a place for everything so what i said to say to people sometimes is when is the last time you stopped somebody in the street asked them how they were and actually meant it so i could say to you for, for example i could do something like this yeah yeah, yeah that's great yeah what, how are things with you Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's terrible. No, yeah. yeah. I mean, why not just, you know, there's no conversation there. It's just words. Yeah. Instead of saying, like, like, I'm with you now, for example. So if, if you and I meet in London or you're over in Ireland or we're, we're out somewhere and we're talking and chatting and having fun, you know, we're being in the moment and my phone rings, you know what can happen or what will happen? It can wait because yeah. I'm with Aiden. Mm. we're in the zone, we're together. You know, people often say, Dave, I was looking for you. I rang you, you know, I rang. Yes, and when I'm ready, I'll return your call. I I'm not trying to be arrogant about this, guys. I'm just saying, for God's sake, you know, let's, let's be in the present. You know, people live in the past or they live in the future, they worry about the future. Let's live in the present. Look at the day, it's a beautiful day. Every day is a beautiful day. I don't give a sugar if it's, it's hailstones outside or it's whatever the weather is like. It's your breathing and you have the opportunity to go out and do something good, you know? No matter where you are or what level you're at or how bad things seem, trust me, there is always, you know what I say, always one more step. So, so uh, inspiring is, is all about um, being the best that you can, I think, and, and, uh, and sharing that with other people who are, are my heroes.
Yes. I mean, everybody to me is, is, is a hero. I have to be honest because I think humans are incredible. Uh, their ability to, to, to just to, to uh, achieve in, in, in so much and to take so much uh, difficulties that, that come across their bows. You know, everybody has these uh, uh, challenges. And uh, I think it's just the ability of human beings to be able to overcome these uh, and, and move on is just incredible. It never ceases to amaze me. And by the way, I don't mean climbing Everest. I don't mean, you know, four deserts in, in 30, you know, the, the world. I don't mean that. I mean people, ordinary, everyday people who, um, can I explain? Some people say to me, you know, this, this world Grand Slam, I know you watched the film. It's awesome. It's incredible. It's amazing. How do you do it? And all that. And I say to people, there were only... Four deserts in a 38-week period, a 1,000 kilometers. I choose to do them, but some people have their desert every day. Mm. Ordinary people that, that are suffering from, you know, depression, alcoholism, degenerative disease, I don't know, bullying, um, anything. The list is endless. And those people have to get out of their beds and put one foot in front of the other every day. Now, that's what inspires me. Mm. That's, that's why I have so much faith in humanity that people have this inherent ability to, to, to move on, to, to, to drive on, to knock down. Yes, we're knocked down, but to get up again. And, and it's, you know yourself, you preach this also, I know you do. It's, it's never about uh, falling down. The, the crime is when you don't get up again. And, uh, mm. so that's all we can do, isn't it? Uh, we're imperfect human beings, so we, we, we do the best we can, I guess. Yeah. Wow. No, so many 101 lessons there, which uh, even I've, I've taken a lot from and those who are listening as well. I'm not going to try and pick up because I think there was just too many. Um, but I think the message in and of itself is just wonderful and beautiful. And, you know, please, everyone listening, take from that what you can and what you will. Um, Dave, you mentioned there at the end more about the four deserts and the stuff, the um, ultramarathons there. So let's move towards that. So one, I guess I just want to get to know, I watched the film, but for those who are uninitiated with that, you know, what made you want to do that? And tell well, people a bit more about it as well, just so they get the context, sorry, of what that... Sure, I'll do that indeed. Um, can I just, just go back and just a wee, a small little bit, just to, because it's very relevant. Um, I, I started, uh, I never ran in my life. I was um, 30 plus years of age, and my mother said that there was a race running through our hometown in Dublin. Uh, um, and uh, would I go out and support a local, a local man, a neighbor? And I went out and I just got caught up with the whole excitement. You know, when somebody is there and you, they have the banners and they're shouting when the person comes by. And they were going, come on, Cyril, woohoo! And I thought, woo, break, I want some of this. I, 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 I need it, I need it, I, I need this energy. So the following year, I, I pretty much just, um, you know, I, I signed up for this marathon. It was called 26.2 miles. Yeah, I'll, I'll do it. Signed up for it. I bought a pair of running shoes, and that was really cool. The only problem was I didn't train. Uh, so I, 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 don't, I wouldn't recommend that to anybody. Um, I tore ligaments in both my knees. I really yeah. did damage. But I didn't stop. Yeah. As the stupidity of men, you know, as males, this macho thing we do, yeah. I didn't stop. And so I decided to carry on, uh, I, but I couldn't lift my legs. Genuinely, I, I, I could only slide. Wow. And... Um, I, yes, I ended up going to hospital and so on, but I finished the race. And uh, I remember um, the, my wife came up to me at the end and um, she, there was a little uh, green in Dublin, St uh, Stephen's Green, and she came through it and I could see her in the distance. I was with my brother and uh, he said, oh, here's trouble. And she came up, doom, 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 you know, right up like the army. And she looked at me and she said, oh, Mike, I saw you come in. And she said, look at you. You're being held. You can't even stand. 
you know, this is ridiculous. I told you this was going to happen. No training, blah, blah, blah. And she was, blah, blah, blah. And she was giving it to me. And as she was giving me all this stuff, she was upset and she was hugging me and she was crying. And she said, never, never again. This is crazy stuff. And as she was doing it, I looked over her shoulder at my brother Barry and I went, <laughs> I made another instant decision, folks. And that was that if I could repair these knees of mine, mm. I would do one more race and I would do it without injury. And I think, um, and I made that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really a devil for making instant decisions, Aiden. I, I don't dip my toe. You know, some people say, oh, I don't know, will I? No, I grasp with both hands and I jump in with both feet. Be it right or wrong, yes. I've always done that through life. I have a, a passion to do something, boom, just do it. And uh, so I, I, I did train. Uh, it took oh, four and a half months, would you believe it? They couldn't do anything for me in hospital. They naturally repair with rest, uh, obviously, and good nutrition and so on, and that's my forte. And uh, so I did uh, that, and so nearly four months, I was back slowly, slowly getting back to, again to running. I did my second marathon. I did it as I I'd said I would without injury. And that was 35 years ago. And I've now run, and I will get back to the deserts. I've now run uh, 35 years and two months, uh, about 600 races, I think. Um, uh, and in that time and in that amount of races, I've never, ever been injured or sick uh, or missed a race due to inju injury or sickness. And by the way, that's not just good luck or good genes. <laughs> in, fact, in fact, it's not even fitness. Yeah. Mm. Good health. Yes. But anyway, more about that later. So getting back to uh, the marathons, I just loved them. I got a buzz from them. Uh, it was a challenge for me. It was a lovely distance, all mental, you know, and it was the tortoise and the hare. It was never about outright speed. It was always about pace. Yes. It's not speed or distance that will kill you in a marathon. It's pace. Uh, and so I learned a lot from that. And then one day I'm at home. Here comes the, the desert stuff now. I'm at home. I'm, I'm uh, reading a paper, an Englishman, an amputee who had got a leg blown off on a mine, an incredible young man called Chris Moon, an Englishman from the British Army, had just run across. It was a center page piece in the, uh, one of the, the, the tabloids, the English tabloids. And I thought, he did what? He ran across the desert? Give me a break. Are you joking? This guy was... So next of all, I see it at the very end of the column. There's a little tiny piece that says, um, if you would like to run this race in the Sahara Desert Marathon, the Saab, call us. And there was a number. Well... I'm not joking you. I nearly had a heart attack. I said, I'm in. There was no questions, if, buts, or maybes. I rang the number. It was a Saturday. It went into mailbox. We're here on Monday. Well, I couldn't sleep. I could not sleep. Monday came, bang, I rang up. The rest is history. I ran this 250-kilometer race. Actually, I was out in my back garden that Saturday when I, when I made that phone call and got an answering machine. I, I knew I was going to do it. So I, I went out. I got a skipping rope. I haven't skipped in years. I found one up on the press. And I started to skip. And my wife just happened to come back at that time. And she, I was out the back garden. She moved the patio door and she looked out and she said, skipping? What, what's the story there? I said, I'm going to run a, a marathon in the, in, the, in the desert, 250 kilometers. <laughs> uh, okay. And she closed the door and she backed in again. Uh, she kind of used to me, but, but I meant it. So I did. I signed up and I did it. And it was the most amazing experience. Uh, that was in 1998, folks. And in 2000, I went back a second time to prove the first time wasn't a fluke and I had a great one there. So every life was really good for me. I was enjoying it. I loved the desert stuff, but I hadn't done any more because I became very, very busy and stuff. I didn't get a chance to do much more. And then the desert, the four desert Grand Slam came about. And when I was on my computer in 2009 and I read about these two world famous ultra runners who'd run not one, not two, not three, but four, four deserts in a 38 week period. 
oh my God, it was like a child in a sweet shop. <laughs> I shouldn't have seen that on screen because guess what? I did, I did what I always do. Grasped it with both hands, jumped in with both feet and went for it. And, um, you know, a side story to that was that I was in uh, Los Angeles, uh, beg your pardon, in uh, L.A. And I was doing a, a talk there, I don't know, seven, 8,000 people. And I made this bold announcement that I was going to do this. And it was all cool. Everything was good, except that my wife was in the audience and I hadn't told her. First time. And, oh, my God. <laughs> uh, I know. I know. It's, I, I know everybody on this podcast is going, no, it's not good. I'm sorry. I know it's not good. Um, and, and she did say, don't let the door hit you on the way out. And uh, she did not. Uh, I think the interesting, here's the interesting thing, folks. My boys, my three boys, you know, they're six foot six. They were going, whoa, come on, Dad. The Irish Superman. You know what I mean? The macho thing. They loved it. But my wife, my daughter, my mom, now, they, they were horrified. And an interesting thing, they were horrified, not because they were worried uh, that I'd get sick or injured, but they were worried if I got sick or injured, I wouldn't stop. Mm. And they were right. I wouldn't stop. And by the way, for all the males listening to this podcast, that is not macho. That is stupidity and selfishness. And looking back, honestly, I, I understand that now. But I was so focused on this mission that I had to do and it was very personal for me. And also it was very um, selfish. Yeah, I, I guess it was selfish. Um, so that's how it came about. And, and the film you just watched in the audience that night, there was another lady and she came backstage also. And she said to me, she said, uh, she was introduced to me as Jennifer Steinman, a film producer from New York. She said this exact words, let me get this straight. Your attempt to do, attempting to do what only two men in the world have done, they're the most famous ultra runners in the world, uh, Dean Carnassus being one of them, they're half your age, you're only an ordinary Joe Soap, you're going to kill yourself, can I make a movie about it? And that was all in one, I know, yeah. and it was like, thank you, that's given me great, uh, you, you've really inspired me to want to go out and kill myself. So um, <laughs> that's how the, the movie came about. And uh, they didn't think, when they came to Ireland, um, they agreed to do the movie and uh, they came to Ireland uh, to start the shooting for three weeks, went back to America, and they never told me this. I, I didn't find this out till months and months later. They were horrified. They were absolutely, because yeah. they thought, they saw my training, which was practically nothing. I would, I would run around the fields for two hours. I didn't train with a backpack. I, I mean, my shortest distance in the desert was going to be about five hours. That was going to be the shortest amount in 40 degrees heat with a backpack, 10 kg to 12 kg, and I'm running around for two hours like a mad thing with nothing on my back, you know, enjoying the, the experience and everything is fine. So they said, he's not going to last, he's not going to last a day in the desert, let alone four deserts, 250 kilometers long in, in 38 weeks. It's not going to happen. We better get some people because this film is just done. It's finished. Wow. And uh, so they did. And it was the best thing that ever happened because you saw the film. There's four people in it now, myself and three, three or four others. And now that's a, that's a movie because if it was about yours truly, oh, it's so boring. I mean, I, I couldn't watch me, obviously, or anybody else. I, I don't think it would have been a very good movie. Um, so it, it, it was a melting pot of characters and, and you've seen the movie and, and people can, can get it on that. You know, if you Google Desert Runners movie, uh, you can get it on Vimo and all these places and you can download it and watch it. So um, that's how the movie came about. Uh, that's how the, the Four Deserts came about. And the challenge was, folks, to run uh, 250 kilometers in the uh, Atacama Desert in Chile in 2010, 
12 weeks later to run the 250-kilometre desert in the Gobi Desert in China. Uh, And you're talking about, by the way, uh, about 11,500 feet above sea level in Chile uh, to 400 feet below sea level in China which is a Turpin Basin. So you're getting two huge extremes, you know what I mean? Mm. No, no, I know that, that, that Chile isn't Mount Everest. Yeah, sure. But it's still 11,500 feet above sea level. Air is a little bit thinner. Some people did get a little bit nauseous. Some people got some headaches and stuff. It's not, it wasn't a big deal. But um, So that was Chile. That was China. 12 weeks later again, no rest for the wicked. We're in the Sahara Desert in Egypt. And five weeks later, we're going to Antarctica. Now, the interesting thing there is we're going from 40 degrees uh, plus which will burn you alive. I mean, it's the hottest day we've had here in double it almost. And, um, and then you're going to minus 30 wind chill. I mean, it's insane. And uh, as I was doing these four deserts, actually, funnily enough, I began to, <laughs> I began to understand why only two men in the world had, had actually done them. And, um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was an extraordinary challenge. And uh, one that for me, when I saw it, I had to do. Uh, I had to do it for me because it was a journey that I had to finish uh, and by that I mean, um, I suppose it's going to answer a question. Maybe I'm coming too early on this podcast to answer it because people are all asking me why. Mm. The, 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 the why is the, isn't that isn't that the big one for all of us? Why do we do what we do? I, I, I talk about this a lot to audiences. Um, you know, we we do we do things because we want to. If it's important enough, if something is important enough in life, we will do it. We don't need to be coerced. We don't need to be convinced. If it's important enough. We will do it regardless. That through everything in life. Mm. And um, so for this reason for me, um, honestly, I think think it goes back. I don't think I know it goes back to when I was very young. And um, I felt um, there was an emptiness when my dad left. Um, You you kind of wonder why, you know what I mean? As you get older, when you're that young, you don't understand. But as you get older and you become a young man and um, you get into your teens and then you get into your 20s, and and, and funnily enough, uh, you have your own children. And then you go further and you have your grandchildren. And it never leaves you, you know. You, You wonder why that happened. And then you start thinking, is it me? Was it? Was it something perhaps that, um, yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess, I guess you, you do think it's so, I, I suppose it's, it's probably proven to yourself that you're good enough, you know what I mean? That you can achieve stuff in your life and that there's that maybe doubt because things happen to you. And I suppose for me, I, it wasn't to show how good I was or to show anybody else that I was fantastic. It was nothing to do with any of that. It was me inside. I had to prove to me that I, I could do this, that I had strength of character, that I, I was mentally strong enough to, to go through these things and come out the other side. And, and remember that, that if I've all also been lucky enough and, and I'm so grateful for, for, for my life to go and, and tell my story, I also wanted to make sure, as, I, as I've said before, that my lips and my legs went in the same direction because you can only speak about your experience. Isn't it true? You know, and I, I can't talk about your, your experience. I, I can talk about it, but, but I, I haven't gone through it. I haven't felt the pain. I haven't felt the adulation, the joy. I mean, you can tell me about it and I can get, I can get involved with the story, but I had to do this for me. And I know that is selfish for sure. Uh-huh. And it was, it was just that, that one thing. And, and when I crossed the line that day in Antarctica, 
In fact, in fact, I ran past the line. We were doing this. The weather got so bad. It was Deception Island. It's a wonderful island. And all the penguins were huddled around in large groups watching these humans probably going, what the hell? And uh, we're going around with backpacks. And we had this one circuit because we couldn't do it any other way for this particular finish for the race. And uh, there were so many circuits. You've got so much time. And then they cut it. You've done your, your, your 250 kilometers. It had been a buildup of, of, of days. We'd been out there for, for two weeks. And this was the last day. And I was so driven and so focused. The snow was, you know, it was in parts, it was up to your, 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 your knees and you'd come out of it and you'd go into it and you'd come out and in and I was going and going and I was driven. I wasn't even, in, you know, I didn't even know anybody was around. And the finishing line, they call me, you're, you're, it's like calling a boat out in the river. Come in number 94, your time is up. <laughs> and I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't hear it oh. at all. And I, I, walked, I went by, saw them, they were waving and I carried on and they shouted again and I continued again. And then uh, this, this lady, she, she ran just up to me and she stopped me. And she said, no, 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 no. She said, you're, you're finished. It's over. It's done. It's like, it's, there's no more. You, it's okay. And, and, I, and I, I couldn't believe it. It was just, I just turned her there and there was a little funnel in. And there's a picture of, of that. And, and I came through it and it was just, yeah, it was a, it was a lovely moment. Yeah, they didn't, a, quite, they didn't quite show that in the film. I didn't quite get that. Um, I didn't no, know what happened. Yeah, it did, and, and and there's a lot that isn't shown in the film. You know, they got to cut this, they got to edit it, and there was some really poignant moments, and it was wonderful. And you know, it was with my mates because they're all you, you we're all in this together. And um, uh, you know, most people do one of these races in a lifetime, or maybe one in a year, and one three years later. But there were a handful of people. Only two people had done it, as I said. And when I decided to do it, the company decided to use me as the poster boy. <laughs> when I say poster boy, not for looks, obviously, but 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 I say this this guy is you know almost sixties. He's going to run this, and um, you know, come on. And people saw it, and they got taken with the story and people started to sign up to do all four so from me becoming the third and only person to do this all of a sudden around the world you had people going heck if this guy can like i did with with chris moon the amputee they're saying the same if this old guy can can do this so can i unless so they had i think um uh 13 or 14 people uh out of the blue boom we're going to do this and uh, they were all younger than me, of course, but the incredible people, and uh, male and female. And I'm delighted to say the majority did make it. Nine, nine of us did finish out of that group, Good. and uh, we set the record. And um, it, was, it was just, yeah, fantastic. Absolutely. In fact, looking back on it, it always, it always gets me going, and, and uh, just, it's a wonderful uh, memory to have. And... Uh, yeah, something that I'm so, so, so grateful for. So that's, the, that's really uh, why I did it and how I came about it. It was a pure chance. Well, there's no such thing as chance. There's a reason for everything in life. But I was on the internet. I saw uh, the, the four deserts and uh, that only two men had done it. And, and it was like the newspaper article in, in, 2000, uh, in, in 1996 sorry, that I saw. And I, I made a decision in 2009, I saw this on the internet and I made another decision. So it's seeing something, uh, uh, grabbing your attention. And uh, if, if I see something that I need to do, that's, that's kind of the way I am pretty much. I, I, I decided to make this, this. I know Nike's saying, in fact, that's not Nike saying. That is my mother saying. They stole it from my mum because my mum just did it. I mean, when she just grew us up, you know, I, I say it, I, I get it back to mum again, but it's, it's really relevant to the whole story. You know, she's my hero. She, she just didn't 
you'd do things, you'd say things. She did them. She, she, she took on cleaning jobs. She worked hard, long hours to keep us all going. And she never stopped working. So what was, come on, come on, Aiden. Was I going to turn out any other way? I, I, impossible. I just watched my mom. She, yeah. she, she just did it. She went out and she took action. She continued to just do stuff. Uh, she didn't say, well, what I need to do now is this, or, you know, I must get around to that someday, or, yeah, this would be great if I could do that. She did it regardless, made sure we all had food on the table and clothes on our back. And um, we, we pretty much, we, people were very good to us, our, our neighbors who had nothing themselves either, but they would come and, you know, give us some clothes and stuff. And, and uh, people were very good with little bits and pieces. And everybody shared everything they had, the little bits they had. And um, I'll never forget those, up my upbringing and, and, and how simple and tough t- time was. But they were probably the happiest days you could ever ask for. And, uh, but that was mum just doing it. And, you know, one word on mums out there, if you're listening, um, to me, uh, my mum, uh, she gave up her freedom so as her children could have theirs. And, and that's what mums do. And that's why I have so much respect for, for mums, so much respect for women. Um, I applaud you, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I can't say any more than that. It's just, you're fantastic. And, uh, yeah. It's, it's wonderful and that's it and we, we all have our purpose and it's how we how we serve that men women we have a different purpose but it's how we bring that to the table and I think one you know again God there's so much so much there to pick up but one thing that I think sticks out for a lot of people Dave is you're, you're 65 now right? Yes, yes, almost. I'm, I'm, I'm nearly there. A couple of months and I'm 65. Woo, bring it on. <laughs> You're close. And you still got the same, if not more, energy than before. And, you know, when people first heard, um, if correct me if I'm wrong, when you did the Four Deserts, was that 2008 or 10? 2010. 2010, sorry. I knew it was something to do with eight, eight years ago. So, yeah, and you were so obviously not that far off. You were still, you know, 57, 58 at that point. Yes. You know, what did... One, what was people's perception of someone, you know, who's not meant to be doing it, quote unquote, oh, doing yeah. it and things like that? Oh, I got a lot of, I got a lot of, um, let's say I got a lot of advice. <laughs> and that's cool because, you know, you always get advice from people, uh, all sorts, from family, friends, people who love you, people who don't like you that much. You, you know, you're going to get, you're going to get all sorts of different advice. And uh, I'm a very stubborn person, um, which is a bad trait, uh, folks. Um, I, I probably got that from my mum. You know, if, if there's something in my head, I, I'm, 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 and I need to, to go after it and, and, and do it, uh, I, I tend to do that. Um, so people thought it was um, not good, not good at all. Um, uh, some people did; they they encouraged me, but a lot of people didn't. They felt. To, let's put it this way. They felt, uh, number one, my age was pretty much against me. Um, they felt that I was going to put my body through something that um, it shouldn't have to go through. And the older I got, the more susceptible I would be to injury and and um, uh, maybe permanent injury. And, I, and not so much, by the way, the physical side of it, but that, that is an issue too, because I saw a lot of injuries out there. I mean, people falling, you know, you're coming down a mountain, uh, you, you can slip, you can bust a knee, an ankle. Uh, you can cut yourself badly. You can, you know, I saw lots of that stuff going on, but I think they were talking more of internally um, what could happen because I know some people Google stuff on desert runners and all sorts of problems. Um, 
with the liver and the kidneys and yeah, all this kind of stuff. Because I remember when we were in the Gobi Desert, one night we have the head torches because you, you do a, a marathon every day on these races. Every single day you do a minimum of a marathon distance, uh, 26.2 miles, 45 kilometers. Uh, but on the long day, you have a 100-kilometer run. But uh, in the Gobi Desert, we had 110 kilometers. And I remember the nighttime, we had a head torch on and all this dust, it was like, um, like red dust. So when you would blow your nose, uh, all this red dust will come. So we're inhaling all this stuff into our lungs. And that's only one aspect of it. And during the day, of course, you're, you know, you're getting uh, sandstorms. I mean, we, we had some sandstorms come up. Uh, we'd only really one bad one. And when they come up, you don't move. You stay where you are. You don't sit down because you could be buried alive. You stand up. You stay in a one position. And you wait for it to pass. Um, you go walking. Go walkabouts. You, you might just not come back again. You go off the beaten track. So, but you're inhaling this kind of stuff. And don't forget the, the cellular damage of, of um, burning food for fuel. Uh, as you know, and we can talk about that, of course, uh, you create this, this, the free radical damage and um, we all do it. We, we're doing it now by just, just talking, by just being alive, uh, burning this food for fuel, creating that damage. So the more we uh, exercise, the more of that we're burning, the more food we're burning for fuel and the more damage we're doing. So you can imagine in the desert, you're putting your body through all of this stuff. And um, people were just, um, I think they were worried. I think that's an understatement. Uh, and likewise, you know, even the film crew, for God's sake, the, the producer, the camera people, they thought, this guy is a lunatic. He's, he's gone. He's, he's, he's going to get sick out there. He's going. And they were worried, you know. They, they were worried. They, I found this, again, I found a lot of stuff out afterwards. And um, but people thought it was, um, I was too old. It was too dangerous. There was a reason why only two people had done it, because it wasn't... Um, obviously a very easy thing to do and it was quite difficult and uh, I was putting myself my body at risk and I was, some people thought, came up to me and said uh, you're selfish you're very selfish you've got a family and um, it's not you know I, I don't think it's uh, amusing I don't think it's it's bravado I don't think it's anything I just think it's selfish and so I took all these views on board and and you've got to respect people's opinions you know you can't rubbish them um, you, you respect they have an opinion it's their opinion and uh Unfortunately or fortunately, I didn't listen to any of that. Um, I just said, thank you. Uh, that's very interesting. And uh, I moved on. <laughs> oh, my goodness. When I think back. But, um, you know, I, I'm going to be honest about this. The, the moment I saw that on the Internet, I switched in. I was 110% focused. I was going to finish that race, Aiden. Mm -hmm. Nobody and I mean, nobody was going to stop me. I mean, sure, uh, you know, divine, you know, presence, I don't know if I'm going to be taken out. But if I was going to be taken out, I was going to be taken out on a stretcher because I was going to finish that race on my hands and knees screaming if that's what it took. Yeah. And uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's an element of, of definitely of, of stupidity in there. And uh, no question, and selfishness, it's in there. But it, it, my mindset was just, I, I, I just couldn't, I just saw the finish line, you know what I mean? I, I, and it had to be done in bite-sized pieces because to, to take the whole thing on when you're out there, it's, 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 and that's what happened to some people. They, 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 you know, there's always this person talking to you on your, on your shoulder. You got to stop now. I'm too thirsty. I'm exhausted. I'm mentally done. I'm just, I, I cannot go one, one more step. I'm finished. I'm out. And um, your body is screaming at you. You know, it really is. Uh, and you know there's something happening which isn't good and uh, your body has this inherent um, ability to, to shut you down, to try and protect you. Mm. And uh, it will do that. 
because otherwise you will kill yourself. And uh, so there are certain mechanisms that kick in at the cellular level uh, and there's signs and signals. And if you ignore those and you're stupid enough to ignore them, which I did, um, then it can be fatal. So, yeah, I, I got all sorts of, of, of opinions, but people were, I think the overall thing was, I think everyone was worried. And in fact, uh, no more, no more so than my, my wife and uh, my kids. I think possibly in my family, my brother, sisters, my mom, but definitely, definitely the ladies in, in, in the family took the brunt of it. Um, the boys, you know, were doing the macho, the Irish Superman thing, but underneath it all, um, and they told me as well, they, they, were, they were worried, yeah. But they knew my, my mindset. I think that was the problem. They knew that I wouldn't stop, but against advice, I would continue to go out there. Mm. And that was the underlying factor that I think worried just about everybody that knows me. Yeah, I think it would naturally as well. I mean, it's it's no easy feat. It's not like saying you're just going to do a marathon at your age, let alone uh, a thousand thousand kilometers, you know, collectively. So I think what I also on that similar note, Dave, want to get to is a lot of people, and you see this all the time, I'm sure, and I see this too in what I do, give up when I've seen, I'm seeing people give up when they're in their 30s let alone when they're close to 60. What advice do you have for those guys or people who are giving up on their health and almost giving up on themselves in reality uh, because they think they're too old, they're too this, they're too that, you know, all the excuses, whatever it might be. Oh, my goodness. Oh, come on, give me a break. Well, I'll tell you what. I, 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 one thing I say to people, uh, and everything, <laughs> everything gets better with age. You know, think about this. Just think about this. This is a no-brainer. We are given this incredible body, this trillion-dollar body. Come on, guys, we are. Be honest. You cut your finger, it heals. You get a cold, it goes away. I mean, we're born to heal, for crying out loud. So all we have to do is, you know, um, what, I, what I feel is we are given this incredible body, yet we put more time and effort into a bloody shopping list than we do our own health. We're, we're in a constant mode of healing. See, see here's the deal. We... We, when people say to me, um, yeah, yeah, Dave, it's, you know, it's, it's easy for you to say, but, you know, you've got your health, you've got, but, but it, it isn't given to you. You just don't, you know, uh, be, you've got to do a little bit of work to it, you know. I, I always say to people, and I preach this everywhere, uh, I don't like the word preaching, I don't mean that, but, but, I, but I mention it everywhere, that uh, take more ownership and responsibility for your health because we're, we, we are designed to live long, healthy lives. You know, everybody, everybody on this podcast, everybody in the world deserves longevity and quality of life. People say to me, yeah, Dave, you know, I, I, it's fine, but I don't want to be around when I'm 75, 80, 85 years of age, being fed on pills and kept alive. But you don't have to be. Mm. Give me a break. I mean, I, look, you can't see it from, from, from the camera, but I am one mile. I'm sorry now, but I, I, get, I get kind of very animated about this. But this is the people who tell me, you know, Dave, I'm, I'm kind of nearly giving up on health and stuff like that. We live, I live, one mile as the crow flies from the CUH, the Cork University Hospital. Now, I promise you, at this very moment in time, I can take you, even if you were with me, I can bring you to that hospital, and I promise you, with proper diet and lifestyle changes, 50% of those people need not be in those beds. I'm not exactly, and I'm being very economical with that figure. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, I mean it's, it's insane. I mean, people, people run to the doctor and say, fix me. Why don't you fix yourself? Yeah. No, but seriously, I mean, look, not all the time. Most of the time we can. I understand. Don't get me wrong. I am not, and I make this quite clear, I am not trying to 
uh, say that there isn't, a, um, you know, that the doctors and nurses out there don't, they do an incredible job. They are the heroes. They are at the cold uh, face. How they do what they do, I have no idea. But it should not be just a pill for a nil. It should be a holistic approach. You, you know what I mean? I mean, um, there was a very famous man, Thomas Edison. Uh, and Thomas Edison said, you know, the doctor of the future will give no medicine, but will interest his patients in the care of the human frame, in diet, and in the cause and prevention of disease. Woo! Give me that again. That's incredible. But seriously, can you imagine? I mean, no, none of us go to the doctor. Come on, guys. None of us go to the doctor for health. Even a doctor will tell you that themselves. We go to the doctor for not health, for treatment. Health is what we give ourselves through diet and lifestyle. Look, I, I was out the front there I showed you a minute ago. I'm on a hill, right? And I've got two incredible grandchildren, Sean and Sam, with the third little girl on the way in a month's time. And um, these two little guys, you know, I was with them at the weekend. And one of them has a little car. Now, I'm on a hill. So I'm pushing one guy in the car and I have another guy in my back, okay? I'm 65, for God's sake. I'm not making a big deal out of that. I'm just saying... I'm no different to anybody else whatsoever. The only difference is I tweak a couple of things in my, my life. You know what I mean? I make some small changes. I take responsibility. I can't expect to have a, a good body if I go out and my diet and my lifestyle is screwed. Um, I'm not saying you have to live up a tree, eat the bark and live with the animals. No. <laughs> Come on, you, people think I do. You know, If I'm in a supermarket, it's so funny. People, people look at my shopping trolley and they kind of go, they're, they're looking out to see can they see an old biscuit in there or a bit of chocolate or you know what I mean? Yeah. Guys, I'm human. Would I have a piece of chocolate? Yes. No, I don't eat a lot of sweet stuff that often and, and stuff. But I, would I have? Yeah, sure. I mean, come on. But it's not about, it's about tweaking things in your favor. So, so people who say to me, um, you know, I'm, I'm 35, I'm 40, I'm feeling some aches and pains. I mean, I, I run, I, I'm a barefoot runner, right? Uh, hold on a second. Love it. <laughs> I've no shoes on at the moment. I drive without shoes. Uh, I'm, uh, I run without shoes. I, I'll be going out now shortly to run out in a place. It's like a foresty place. And there'll be all sorts of things on the ground, you know, acorns and thorns and, and I don't know, everything and, and stones. But, but I'll just run through that stuff. So um, it's no big deal. But it's, it's like, imagine that I can go out there and run, I don't know, I'll run an hour probably. And, and uh, it'll be 20, 23, 24 degrees here. I know it's not like the desert, mm. but I'll go and I'll have a lovely run. Yeah. And uh, I would like to be able to say that, that I can do that many years down the road. But my real goal in health is to say to people, I want to be here with quality of life, mm. not just getting on an age, but have that quality of life for my children and my grandchildren. Mm. And you know what? Can I say this to everybody out there? One thing I want to ask you to do today, please, all of you, be selfish. Be selfish to you. Yeah, I mean that. I mean, because, yeah, sure. Because if you are not, if you do not look after you, that is selfishness. Mm. Because, you know, you're in a plane, what happens, unfortunately, uh, I hope it never happens to anyone, but if a mask comes down, you will put it on you first, and then you will look after your family and your children. Mm. You have an obligation to look after you. This is an amazing body, for goodness sake. I mean, you know, I, I, I see a lot around me uh, ill health. We, we never in the world did we ever have so much, I don't know, we never had so much food, particularly in the Western world. 
you know, go go into your local corner shop, go into the big multiple supermarkets, open your fridge, for goodness sake. It'll be tons of food in there. Now, that's another story. Huh? There's food and there's nutrient-dense food. Uh, that's a totally different story. Uh, you know, I, th I think as a nation uh, in, in the Western world, we're undernourished. Uh, we're plenty of food, but we're undernourished. Overfed and undernourished, right? Absolutely. Uh, so, so there you go. But I mean, so I mean, we've got to start looking at. at, at, at we've loads of food out there. We've never had so much food in the Western world. We've never had so many pharmaceuticals in the world today. We've never had so much information on the World Wide Web, and yet we've never been sicker. And um, that really, I want to slap people. Come on. <laughs> I, I know that's not very politically correct. No, but, but it, please say it as is. It, Come on, guys, wake up and smell the coffee. I mean, it's, 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 it's in our, we have so much power. You know, people come up to me sometimes, and I totally get this, and they say to me, Dave, eh, it's okay for you saying all this stuff, but we have a history of heart disease in our family, or we have a history of breast cancer, or we have, a, I totally, totally empathize and understand that. And yes, of course, that is, can be in the family, in the genes and so on. But again, it doesn't mean that we can't do anything about it. There are little things that we can tweak to make life a little bit better. And um, I've seen too much. Aiden, I've traveled the world for 20 years. I have people come up to me after talks and the stories they will tell you will make the hair stand on the back of your neck over 20 years. I mean, I, I wish I could impart some of that. And, and what I mean by stories is they come up and they will tell you how they turned their life around. And I'm talking about, by the way, I'm not just talking about having a cold or a sniffle or having a sore this or that. I'm talking about some serious, serious illness and how people have turned that around, not with pills, not with tab, oh, with diet and lifestyle changes. Yes, of course, there is a need for pharmaceuticals. Yes, and of course, the, the, as I said, the doctors and physicians do the most incredible work when we see what they do and some of the operations out there and how they save kids and children and, and adults and how uh, we're, we're beating, uh, you know, the, uh, if you like, the, the battle against various diseases. Mm. Uh, there's a wonderful work being done there. But again, it should be a more holistic approach. And again, at the end of the day, it's up to you to be selfish it's up to you to take that ownership and responsibility for yourself and your families i'm sorry i i don't i don't have any gray area there there's no, no gray area mm. get out there and make and you can and, and let me tell you after this call you know what's going to happen after this call folks <laughs> everybody is going to come off and say "Woo!" you're going to get that shot in the arm like i have now i've got this lovely interaction i love it so they're going to go away everybody on the podcast and drink 10 liters of water a day and eat raw broccoli stalks right <laughs> no well maybe yeah. momentarily that's it Nothing well, let me tell you, I'll make a bet, Aiden, that, that, that all of you listening to the podcast, and thank you so much for, for listening in on it, that, the, that I would say, everybody, once this is over, people will go about their daily business and they will forget about the crazy, right. desert, baldy guy from Ireland. Because, <laughs> but I'm telling you, it's because that's, that's what it's happens. True. It's yeah. true. But, but the, the, only thing that, the only thing that I would implore you to do is to make one simple change. Because we can all do that, right? So what do I mean by that? For one month. You do it for a month, it becomes a habit. So let me say, look what you and I are both doing now, constantly. So if you don't drink any water, or if you only drink a glass of water a day, try drinking three glasses. Try it every day for a month. Boom, it's a habit. If you go to bed at midnight, um, say try 11 o'clock for a month. That one hour before midnight makes all the difference, folks. Try 11 o'clock. Boom, it's a habit. And bit by bit, just watch what happens. It's incredible. Watch what happens to your body. And in terms of your nutrition, 
get that right. Please, please get because that is one of the biggest issues in the on the planet today. One of the biggest issues as human beings that we have. What you put into your mouth on a daily basis is one of the most important things you will ever do in your lifetime. Yeah. We don't think about it. We just shove, 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 and think our body will, will, will take all this stuff. And unfortunately, it's killing us. And we need to find a way around that. We need to, to be conscious. That's the first thing, consciousness. Be conscious of what you're doing. And, and start to find out. Go and, and, and look at what you're eating. Look at the nutrient value of the food you're having. Look at the nutrient value of the food you're giving your children. But that, that's, uh, I suppose, another talk for another day. But that's something that, I, uh, that I'm, I'm very, very um, passionate about, is, is making sure that you fuel your body. You know, uh, I'm sure you're going to ask me, but because we we did talk about this before, uh, if anybody listening on the podcast or anybody that tunes in at any stage is big into their sport and uh, big into their fitness, uh, that's wonderful. And because you you, you often see, you know, particularly in a gym, I don't do the gym, but but that's that's only me, but um, it's very good. It's fantastic fantastic for your cardiovascular. But I always say to an audience, you know, um, is exercise good for you? And I know I'm, I'm going off the mark, and if I am, you can pull me back I, again. I, I agree with you. Go, go with it. Let's do it. Okay. Because I'm like that. I'm kind of like this crazy dude. I, I got a piece of info here in this yeah. part of another piece there. But anyway, so, uh, and uh, you see these people, and somebody looks, ooh, look at that. You know, that, that person is ripped, or that lady is ripped, or that guy is ripped, and they look really, you know, they look really fit and healthy. And I go, oh, hold on, oh, hold on. They may be fit. But are they healthy? And let me explain that, what I mean by that. Uh, I was in, the, let's go back to the Gobi Desert again, very briefly. And uh, a guy had died, unfortunately, um, on day four. Uh, we were in a narrow chasm, uh, about a meter wide. It was 46 degrees. It's the hottest of all the deserts that I've ever been. 46 is hot. It'll burn you up. You, you won't stand in it for 20 or 30 seconds, I promise you. We had zinc on our lips. We had the Legionnaire's cap. We had long sleeve, everything. So we were protected and tons of water. Mm. And we're going through this uh, 14 kilometers, if my memory serves me correct. Uh, it was a particular stage. And I went in there and I thought, oh, geez, this is, this is, this is insane. And, and for me to say that, I'm, I'm going, I got to get in and get out fast. I knew I had, because if I didn't, it was going to be, it was not going to have a good outcome. Mm-hmm. So uh, we should never have gone in there anyway in the first place. That's where the course was we had to. So we went through. And when I went through it, I, I was coming across young men particularly who were having some trouble. And I would stay with them, put a bit of water, I had loads of water, put some water on their neck, wait till another runner would come and then I'd continue. So when I got out of there, I was right up, I think we came out, oh, about 20 stories high. By that I mean I could look down and see the finishing line for the day. We were a good 20 stories up. It was huge. Uh, we'd gone through this mountain range and now I had to come down this big sand dune type of thing. So I'm, I'm coming down like a rag doll. It's, I, I do that to save energy. It's kind of weird, but I kind of made it up, by the way, folks. But I'm coming down and my, my, bat, my, my sleeping bag came out of the hooks and came down before the end <clears throat> and ran down and I picked it up at the end. And anyway, I got through the finish line and there was one of the organizers, a young lady, and I said to her, you better get back up, up, up there because there's, there's trouble. And I saw it in her eyes immediately. She said, it's, it's okay, yeah, yeah, we know. So they sent a doctor up there. And when they found Nicholas... Uh, young Nicholas, he was a 31-year-old American. Uh, he was in a coma, and uh, he didn't make it. We knew he wasn't going to make it. Uh, he did die on the Saturday. Um, rest him. And um, it was very sad. And, you know, when, when we heard this, people got freaked. They, they were very young, a lot of the runners and stuff, and they, they really got freaked. And so for me, everything changed in that race. Uh, and this is, I'm going to come to the difference between fitness and health. It all changed. I decided the race was over for me as a race. Yeah, of course I was going to finish it, but as a, the, the race was a minor detail. I mean, the, the age of my kids, for Christ's sake, I, I, I couldn't have, it could not happen again on my watch. 
Um, and if I came across any work, there's no, I was going to make sure I would, whatever it took, if I had to drag these people one by one, that was going to happen. And they would have done it for me. There's no bravado in this. There's nothing. It's, 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 it's just uh, survival. You know, you've got to help when you can help. And if you need to be helped, you've got to take help. And so that was fine. So we, we did it the next day. And when we, uh, the next day, we had 110 kilometers. And it freaked me because what had happened the night before, he was taken off in an ambulance. They had to get a camel because they couldn't get ambulance up there and they had to come down with the doctor and the camel. I never saw that. None of us saw it, except when the film was aired two years later at the film festival in Edinburgh. I was in the audience and I'll never forget it. I, I, I welled up. I was, it, it, and even thinking about it now, it was the most, it was horrendous. And uh, it brought it all back. Yeah. And I hadn't actually seen that. And it was, it just, boom, it just hit me like that. But anyway, um, the following day I was going along and we, we this, this long, and we've got 40 hours to cover this distance. And so I'm, I'm doing okay. And I'm coming across people and I'm doing, as I said, I would, and making sure they're okay, bringing some people to a checkpoint. Eventually on the last stage of this, uh, I come across it. We're in the sand dune stage. It's the last bit of it. Crazy stuff, actually. And uh, I see in the distance, I'm sure it's the person. And, and when I come up, I see this guy on the ground. And he's a young guy from the British Army. And uh, he wasn't good. And so I got him and I did the best I could. And we would put his arm around my neck and we'd stop and we'd rest. And this went on for hours. And eventually got him in. And at the finish, it's, it's wonderful. I, I have a, a picture. And if anybody wants it, I, I put it up on the big screen wherever I speak. And young Hugh has his arm around my neck and his head is down like this. And I, I'm up like this. Now, bearing in mind, I haven't slept for 27 hours. I look like I look now. Thankfully, I look really good. I look healthy. And uh, Hugh's head is down. He's hanging off me. And when I put that picture up around the world, I get a pointer, a laser beam, and I circle my face and I say, that's health. Mm. And then I circle Hugh's head. And I say, that's fitness. Mm. Wow. Bearing in mind that young Hugh was half my age, was running a hundred mile runs with a backpack and training for sake. Jesus. I wouldn't have known what a hundred mile was if it bit me in the ass. I never trained a hundred miles. Yeah. And, but there you go. And so I think when I say that, the silence in the audience, and suddenly something begins to hit people. Yeah. I mean, I've spoken to Olympic athletes. I've spoken to the top level athletes around the world. And you know why it hits people? Because athletes and more, a lot of people fuel themselves to perform. Mm. I don't. I fuel my body to repair. Nice. Big difference. Mm. And you know, if you fuel your body to repair, folks, in my, it's only my experience. I'm not an expert in anything, folks. But in my experience, and I said in 35 years, I've never been injured or sick or missed a race. And all I can say is obviously I'm doing something right, I guess. Yeah. In my experience, if you fuel your body to repair, you build up your immune system and then you will perform. And so when I came back from doing the four deserts, other people did it. There were nine other people did it as well. Sure. But I came back healthy. Healthy. I didn't have the after effects that some people have a year, two, three years down the road. Uh, particularly some of the organs give some problems and stuff like that. But I came back and I'm, I'm healthy, thankfully. And, um, and that's the big thing. So I can go away and put my body through something that nobody should have to do. And yet I haven't. Well, who knows? I could be taken in the morning. But I'm just saying I feel good uh, anytime. I don't go to the doctor, but when I'm traveling abroad and I have to get shots, and they do the odd checkup. They go, this is ridiculous, but they check me because, you know, I don't go to the doctor. When they have me, they try and make sure they can do a couple of tests on me. And they look and they say, it's, we don't understand what's happening, really. You know, you've got the, they tell me I have the lungs of a, a kid and a young, a young person and the bloods are, you know, they tell me all this stuff without going into detail. So uh, it's good. You know, it's all good. And that is, again, getting back to 
fueling my body to repair rather than just to perform. Because you know what, folks? I can get anybody to perform. Not a bother. I'll give you a gel, a powder, a sports drink, and you go up, you come down, you go up, you come down, and then you stay down. These things do exactly what they say on the tin. Absolutely 100%. Sure. They give you that, 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 that the rush, that sugar fix mostly. Problem is you get insulin spikes. You know, you get this up and down, up and down, and I'm not into any of that. And for me, I'll, I'll finish up on that this point by saying, for me, in my opinion, it's all short-term gain, but long-term detriment to your body. Mm. I want to be around in 30 years' time at 90-plus with a sharp mind and without a stick, and you can, folks. Believe you me, you can, in my experience. Mm. Uh, I'm not saying things don't happen with age. Sure, it does. But it doesn't mean you can't do anything about it. Yeah, and you're a walking, talking example, so you can. Well, <laughs> you want to. Well, I would, I, I would like to think that I... That I, that I walk the walk and, and that I, I, I do what I say I do. I think that's very important. Um, outside that, guys, I'm no different to anybody else. I just love life. And you can, you can enjoy it. You don't have to become a hermit, you know, go up a mountain and, 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 and live on, on, on bark or, or grass or anything. You don't have to do any of that. You can, have, uh, you can eat, you know, some, some crappy stuff from time to time. That's okay. Uh, you can do the crazy stuff out there. But I'm just saying... That, that look, be, be conscious. I think this is the big thing. When you listen to the podcast and if, if, you, if you take anything away from it, it's just to stop and make a mental note and, and even write stuff down. How is your day? What am I doing today? Is there anything I'm doing today that can just improve my health a little tiny weeny bit? Mentally, how can I improve that a tiny little bit? Because you know what? You can listen to people like myself. You can listen to your friends. You can read the best books in the world. You can watch the best films, the best motivational. You know, you can, you can do all of this stuff. But at the end of the day, nothing's going to change. The change has got to come with you. And that will only happen if you, exactly, if you want it. And the reason you'll want something, and we're getting back to the why again, is what, you, you know, do you think, come on, come on. Do you think that somebody was going to stop me when I was 9, 10, 11, 12, when I was in school, wanted to get, because during the summer, I never said this, by the way, but from the time I could, eight and a half, nine, that I could do little jobs. I used to always do stuff. Oh, I won't go into that, but I'd be sweeping up for people. I'd say, do you want me to sweep your, your yard? Do you want me to? And so anything I could do, uh, I used to get jam jars, glass, and a guy used to come around on a horse and trap, and he, they would pay you. It was, it was pennies for, for jars, and I used to get jars for everybody, and I'd do this kind of stuff. So, I would, I would try and find a way to, to make things happen. But, but do you think somebody was going to stop me? Because my goal, my why, my why was my mom, yeah. to make sure mom was okay. Do you think anybody was going to stop me? You didn't have to tell me to get up early in the morning. You didn't have to tell me to go out and do stuff. You didn't have to tell me to, to work until I was exhausted. My mom was my why. And if we can find, and that why will change, of course, as we go through life, it changes. Of course it does. But all of it says, and, and, pe- and by the way, people think you should know your why like that. I often hear people say, yeah, what's your why? Come on, come on, Dave, tell me what your why is. Well, I'm here to tell you, again, in my experience, don't beat yourself up if you don't have an immediate why. Because we're very complicated creatures. We really are. So many things going on in our minds, so, much, so many outside influences. And sometimes we're fooled. Is this my why? Is that my why? And so it's like an onion. You have to peel it away sometimes. And the skill... Is, is in that peeling away, I often believe. Uh, and you know what? I, I often think a, a good leader uh, and a good coach and a good mentor isn't necessarily somebody who knows everybody and everything. In fact, a good mentor 
A good coach isn't somebody who knows everything. I think a good mentor or coach is somebody who asks the right questions. I think it's a skill. It's a real skill to get into the mindset of somebody and to be able to, you know, suck and draw everything out and find out what's really behind this person. And I think that's really the skill. But as I would say at the end of this podcast, just one thing, one simple change, make a mental note. Maybe it's something to do with diet. Maybe it's something to do with work. Maybe it's something to do with family. Maybe it's a situation you're in at the moment and you can't see light at the end of the tunnel. And that is, you know, that is a reality for so many that you're in that bad place at the moment. And if you are, again, all I'm here to tell you is this, that in my experience, in your darkest times, when you feel that there's nowhere else to go that I cannot can't continue, I just can't go on. I'm here to tell you in my experience, please, please, please don't stop. Because in my experience, there's always, always, always one more step. Always. Just find that tiny little step more. I, I experienced it. There were times that I, I cried. I fell down on the ground. I could not go. There was nothing. It was end of story. I'm going to die out here. But you find just one more, just one more step there. Just one, you just put that one foot in front of the other. Come on, you can do that. One, I could do one step. Yeah, I'll do one step. And then another one. And then before you know it. So in life or whatever it is at the moment, wherever you are, just try and find that one more little step because it will be okay. It will work out. It will. We, 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 we worry, a very famous French general once said, we worry about, uh, no, he said, I've worried about most things in my life that have never happened. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, and you're right. If you don't take that step, you won't know. Exactly. Good. Well said. Wow. So I'm sorry, I've just gone, I just get into a zone here and, and you Love people it. have to zip and stop and yeah. No, no, Dave, honestly, that's, <clears throat> excuse me, absolutely wonderful and su such an insightful piece and if you like an oration in and of itself. So uh, thank you for sharing that with us. And uh, I think on that note, let's wrap up. So Dave, I just want to, say before we um, move on what an inspiring uh, podcast one of the best yet and you know hopefully i look forward to many more i think there's so much more to explore whether it be your expertise in nutrition the other work you do but be speaking more or even more about how to do uh, running and training and all sorts of stuff so i'd love to uh, do more of those with you in the future well i'll tell you what now and you're in trouble now because i'm going to get you to cork one of these days and uh, i'm going to get those shoes off you and you're going to come barefoot running with me so everybody in this podcast, you heard it for the first time here, Aiden and Dave, barefoot, boom. Mate, I love that. I already run in um, my Vibram Five Fingers, but I think I need to actually just take them off. So, um, Yay! Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'll do that. I'm looking forward to that. And also for those who are listening, I think I've told you, Dave, I'm a court Irish and I've never been to Ireland, even though I'm only in uh, London. So definitely needs well, to be done know, as well. We're going we're gonna to change that. Now, this is, this is a to-do, okay? This yeah. is a to-do for Aiden and Dave. We're going to make that happen. And uh, you're going to come over and we're going to meet you and we're going to get a, a pint of Guinness. Am I allowed to say that? But yeah, or course, something yeah. else. I don't know. Maybe, uh, okay, a glass of water and some broccoli <laughs> stuff. Yeah. I'll, have, I'll take the Guinness. <laughs> uh, you're right too. Me too. Exactly. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you, Dave, so much. Before we wrap up, is there anything else you want to mention and or tell us where people can find you? So your website, social media or anything oh, like yeah, that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Website's been under uh, construction. I'm, I'm really bad at contacting me. I'm, I'm on social media and 
and all these platforms. I'm pretty poor. But anyway, there's a couple of things you can do, sure. Um, you'll find me on, on Facebook, obviously, under Dave O'Brien. You'll see a picture of a, a guy running in the desert. That's that's me. And uh, if you if you ask for a request, a friend request, uh, I'll, I'll do that. I, I know that um, I get they, they, they get mounted down. If I don't answer straight away, some of them get lost down there. Uh, can you PM somebody if you're not uh, uh, on their... Is it possible to do that? I think, so. I, think, I think it depends on their privacy settings. So, But okay. I think it can be done for the most part. It might go to other messages rather than the main one, but I'm pretty sure. Okay. Well, you can, if you want to do that, you can you can messenger me uh, again, or you can put something on Facebook if I see you. You mentioned the podcast, and Aiden, if you would, please. Um, that would be really important. And, um, yeah, I'd love to do that. And also, if you want, I can give you an email address if, if anybody yes. wants to email them. Okay. Sure. It's uh, juiceplusdave at hotmail.com. Uh, that's J-U-I-C-E-P-L-U-S-D-A-V-E at hotmail.com. And if I can be of any value to anybody out there, uh, please contact me and uh, I would be only more than delighted to give a handout. If I don't answer straight away, please understand a lot of stuff comes in, but I will always answer. Awesome. Dave, no, thank you so much. I'll also add all those um, links to the show notes so people can see them there in case they can't listen or get it from here. But just to wrap up, Dave, thank you so much for spending such uh, a great time with us and your valuable time. I really appreciate you sharing your journey, wisdom and experience with us. It's been such a pleasure, Aidan, and thank you so much for what you do and keep inspiring. You're an incredible guy and uh, I'll tell you folks, this is a, uh, I've been looking at you uh, on podcasts and, and what you've been doing and uh, incredible stuff incredible. you're the next generation the younger generation and uh, all is good it's in good hands <laughs> thank you, and thank you for everything it's been a real pleasure no, bye really everybody thank you so much and i'm Aidan lee and this is the fit Reese podcast thank you for helping us on our mission to build modern warriors